In the future, I'll make sure that all those people being interviewed provide you with a multimedia laser show to keep your interest maintained. People of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. <laughs> Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Set up, fat boys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here's your host, Derek McCaw. Thank you. This is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting from all around the state of California on April first, two thousand fifteen. And uh, <clears throat> we're not going to do any April Fool's jokes because by the time you get this podcast, the time will have passed, and we, I think we're foolish enough on our own. So, uh, of course, introduced by my fabulous announcer, Gaza. and hosting. Uh, well, actually, sitting by himself tonight, as I'm sitting by myself, uh, is our podcast producer and moral compass. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder with an extra conjunction and of course if you're listening to this you might have picked it up on itunes or stitcher app if you have please uh rate us subscribe please tell your friends and you can find us also at www.fanboyplanet.com as well as uh if you like what you heard and if there's something on this podcast that you hear about that you'd like to purchase and you cannot find it at your local small business uh please go to the website and use the amazon link so let's get into it we've got some comics news we've got some tv news we've got some movie news uh and we actually i don't know if it's worth it but i still want to talk about a little bit of toy news because it's always fun. And uh, as we're getting ready for work, I guess I would say we're on the eve of WonderCon starting on April 3rd. So uh, before we do anything else, though, we do have a letter. It's not uncanny. We've got fatty mail. Do you realize that that's going to be like the first song your daughter knows how to sing? No, I won't. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Okay, people, we need you to write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com because that way we make sure that little Mary Jane learns this song. Uh, She'll so be anyway. humming the theme to Walking Dead. Does that have... Uh, oh, it does. It's a, da, 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 da. Does it have lyrics? No, it doesn't. I'm walking. Oh. <laughs> yes, indeed, I'm rotten. Yes, indeed. Okay, anyway, yeah. no more than 15 seconds. Anyway, we got an email <laughs> in answer to a email we had last week. From our longtime listener, Bill Bossert, who uh, has changed his online ID. He's now William, uh, because he's, he's doing some movie producing. I think that's he decided that it had a better ring to it. Anyway, Bill, so good to hear from you. And uh, here we go. He actually did sign it as Bill, as Fandroid number one. I think we can, uh, we can leave him at that status. Anyway, he says, hope you are well. In response to your listener's question about the WB Tarzan, if you recall, someone was asking where we could might be able to find that uh, uh, links to font watch that show that uh, featured uh, Travis Fimmel and um, Lu- Lucy Lawless uh, as well at uh, a WB series of the early 2000s. Uh, I'm not aware of that being on DV 
DVD, you should have that listener contact the actor's homepage and ask about it. Now, and this is intriguing, he says, I did find this syndicated half-hour Tarzan series from the 90s on one of the Roku free streaming channels. So there might be a chance the WB one is out there somewhere as well. And I got to give this to to Bill. I have no recollection of a syndicated half hour, and it's a live action series. From and I looked it up. It ran from nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety three. Do you remember that one, Rick? Not at all. It was what? with an actor named Wolf Larson. But what what network was it on, or was it? Uh, no, it was syndicated. It was syndicated. That's what he said. Hmm. Uh, so, and as far as Tarzan goes, my favorite would be, and I'm I, I think this is interesting, Jock Mahoney. Followed extremely closely by Ron Ely. And I agree with Rick. The animated show from the 70s might have been the best Tarzan on TV, at yeah. least. Um, I think uh, we can all agree that that Filmation series was fantastic. And that must be on DVD, too. It is. I it? have it. Yeah. So that is a great one. And if people listening have not uh, found that DVD or ever watched that series, you should. Uh, that and the Flash Gordon that they did in the uh, late 70s, early 80s were both just incredibly faithful uh, and actually, the 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 Tarzan was you know kind of like what the uh, Ron Ely TV series might have been if uh, they'd had a you know a, a bigger budget or better special effects at the time. Uh, so, any as I mentioned, the WB Lone Ranger. Do I remember having Fox having a Lone Ranger pilot? All I remember from that was that the Lone Ranger also worked as the town's newspaper, and Tonto was a martial artist. Does that ring any bells? And actually, Bill, it does. That is the uh, that's the WB pilot. Chad Michael Murray was a. Uh, they made John Reed a, a reporter, working at the newspaper. And of course, yes, they did make Tonto. I don't remember who played him, a martial artist. But he says he thinks Clinton Spilsbury was the best Lone Ranger. Uh, <clears throat> I know his Lone Ranger movie has been released on Blu-ray in Europe. Do I know of any North American release? And. Uh, no, and really, Clinton Spilsbury is better than Clayton Moore. I we we have to agree to disagree, um, and it's not Clinton Spilsbury anyway because actually his uh, dialogue was redubbed by uh, Stacy Keach. So um, Stacy Keach might have made a fantastic Lone Ranger. Anyway, he says thanks for the walk down memory lane uh, with Tarzan and the Lone Ranger, and uh, that's it. But he has Doctor Who news as a PS. So, Nate, you can cough now. The gentleman <clears throat> that I produced three low-budget horror films with is now doing a musical version of A Christmas Carol with Colin Baker appearing as Dickens. No TARDIS for Ebenezer, though. So I had heard that Colin Baker was going to be doing something stage-wise with A Christmas Carol, so we really look forward to it. It has a connection to the Fanboy Planet podcast now. That's really cool. So, Bill, thanks for writing in. And... Uh, uh, we shall uh, look forward to the next time we hear from you. And that's it. You can write in, too, at editor at fanboyplanet.com. Questions, comments, criticism, commentary, let us know. Uh, anything that you're screaming at us because we don't know, write in. So let's get to comics news, shall we? Let's. Gentlemen, all right. Uh, first, I want to acknowledge there is a passing uh, in the comics industry this week. Uh a guy whose creation um, may have uh, had a major impact, no, didn't may have, his co-creation had a major impact on comics in the late 80s and early 90s and definitely uh, brought kind of a gonzo feeling. Roger Slifer, who passed away this week at the age of 60 and unfortunately had been recovering from a car accident uh, two years ago that left him uh, 
with a brain impairment and uh, and uh, unfortunately uh, never fully recovered and did not resume. He'd been an editor at DC, but is probably best known as the co-creator and writer of the original series of Lobo. Huh. Yeah. So, you know. So, uh, so the, yeah. the series... He wasn't involved in Omega Men then. He was. He was editor on Omega Men. Okay. And so, as editor, he he had done, he had uh, done some suggesting and tweeting, uh, you know, and and tweaking of characterization, uh, and then did go on to work on the series. So the the solo series of Lobo, which did, uh, as we say, really revamp. You know, I mean, as much as I didn't like what the New Fifty Two seemed to have done with Lobo, it was actually closer to what he was when he appeared originally in the Omega Men, but it took that uh, solo series to really, really run wild with the character who called himself the main man. So uh, we acknowledge, sadly, the passing of Roger Slaver and uh, say, well, we've all enjoyed Lobo, so thank you for your work, sir. Um, So let's move to uh, more interesting things. Because of being April Fool's, I, th- I would rather uh, that rather than a prank being played, that a company does something funny. And so uh, Dark Horse did today, um, sending out a press release this morning offering uh, to comic book stores uh, an Adam Hughes variant cover to Barb Wire number one, which they are relaunching, which made me stop and think and realize, you know, that's a comic book movie nobody talks about anymore. Uh, Pam Anderson as Barb Wire. No, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. But the uh, movie is a, exactly what you expect it to be, and um, they did a TV show too. I think they did. Yeah. I didn't. I don't think it had. It didn't have uh, Pam Anderson in it. But I'm not. I'm pretty sure it didn't. But I remember. The no, movie. I, I don't think it did. I think she she just went tried to make it into the movies with that. You know, yeah. So. And uh, anyway, uh, so anyway, they're offering this Adam Hughes variant cover to comic book stores for every 20 stripped copies, you know, with a cover ripped off because they can't sell it, you know, it's non-returnable, 20, for every 20 stripped copies of Marvel's Star Wars number one. Yeah, that's like saying, I'll give you this bar of silver if you would give me 20 bars of gold. Well, first of all, there, there's no way that there's any store in this nation With 20. that has 20 extra copies of Star Wars number right, one because right, right. related news Marvel announced this morning that it's going into its fifth printing. Have you um, have you seen the Adam Hughes cover? Oh, it's a, it's a beautiful cover. It, it's it's <laughs> I love it's the, a mathematical it's, sequence. It's the physics for of kicking someone in the nuts. It's yes, the kicking. physics of kicking someone in the crotch. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so I, I, it, it is a beautiful cover, of course, and and I say it's a joke. They know perfectly well, uh, but uh, you know, Marvel had done that a couple of years ago, uh, offering a Deadpool for some popular DC book. I can't remember which one it was. I think it but was it, uh, either the Justice League, where there were the fifty-two covers, or it was a fifty-two week, or it was some big book. It might have been Infinite or uh, Final Crisis. Oh, maybe, maybe, you know, I, it was a I, big DC line thing, but it's, you know, it's the first, uh, it's not the first time that a company has, has made this offer. It's just, I think this is the funniest and with a little bit of bitterness to it, of course, because, you know, dark horse themselves until last year had the star Wars license. Uh, but it, it's a funny way to call attention to their own, 
uh, own relaunch. And, uh, you know, with something that anybody following comics knows, there's no way that uh, anybody's going to take him up on it. So I'm sure they're going to release, you know, in a couple of days, a, a, a far more legitimate way. It was Blackest Night. Ah, yes. For a Deadpool theme variant cover of Siege number three. Uh, yeah, that was that was like fool's gold for fool's gold, really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Trade you we, this box of rocks for that for bag the, of rocks. rocks. Mm, it's all in the packaging, Nate. It's all in the packaging. And speaking of a a a concept that has completely been repackaged, Big Hero Six. Which we had talked about a, a few months ago, how Disney had kind of asked Marvel not to reprint any of their Big Hero 6 material. Asked or told? Well, <laughs> I'm being polite because someday they may buy us. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to be the one kicked out. That's no, all no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a disruptor. I'm very popular in business right now. What color is the sky in your world? Uh, anyway, Big Hero 6 is coming back to comics, but not to Marvel. To that fabled Joe Books, that Canada Canadian publisher that is doing that is doing the Frozen books as well. So the Disney version is taking over. Rick is right. Marvel, uh, Marvel was told not to do it. Um, I actually got a look at the Frozen book last week. Um, and it's really just, a, just like... Um, what do you call those photo novels? Yeah, the uh, it's a fumetti kind of thing. Yeah, but in America they weren't really called. You know, do you remember? Well, the Star Trek uh, ones. They did the Star Trek. They called yeah. them photo novels. They've never called them fumetti outside of Marvel. Well, yeah. But you know, the trade paperback books. And in the seventies, there were there were this like I because I had a Close Encounters of the Third Kind one. You know, it is fumetti technically. Right. Yes. But Fumetti is an Italian concept. No, really anything else would just be what the what the trade, whatever the marketing people decided to call it. But the technique is accepted as Fumetti. Right. These are called. Uh, this is called uh, the Cinna story. Yeah, yeah. That'll last. Yeah. That's that 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 has that has like longevity written all over it. That's going to be the yes. term for everything. So so that's what the Frozen book is. It's not it's not only just a straight up adaptation of Frozen the movie, but it's just uh, shots from the film. With with uh, word balloons and caption boxes placed over it, so um, so Big Hero Six is going to get that same treatment. Uh, I think you know I, I'm far more interested, and I haven't heard anything one way or another if they're going to move forward and do what Marvel does with their movies is you know an animated series on television. But I think it, it would be logical for Disney for Disney XD to develop a. A, a big hero six. Oh yeah, uh, totally like the uh, how you train your dragon. The yeah, the with dragons, dragons, which is uh, dragons. moving to moving to Netflix. We got that little thing about that for WonderCon. They'll be talking about that. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. Which totally. Made, what do they call it? The Dragons of Burke. Yeah, that's, I think that's is what it, the, yeah. the the TV series is called. Um, but if have you seen Big Hero Six yet, Rick? I can't remember. I have not. I've read the original books. Sure, I have not either, and I really want to. In the closing uh, credits, it's not a spoiler. They just sort of run like you know sketches that could show potential uh, other foes they fight, uh, you know, other adventures they might have in the future, um, but done in a very subtle way. They fight and, Ultron, and in at the end of Big Hero Six, you know, so in the closing credits, right? Uh, rather, rather than a rather than a you know, well, there is a post credit scene, but but no real stinger. But it, but it doesn't have to do with you know plot. It's just kind of a it's a, it's a funny bit, and uh, I won't spoil that. 
at, but they do have sketches over the over the credits themselves. So you know, I would like to see more adventures of this version of Big Hero Six. And honestly, I do. I, I find the, the Disney version a lot more accessible than what Marvel had originally done. Uh, but it's still just it just feels weird that this publisher. I, I totally buy why Marvel does not want to do Disney books because that would be another editorial line and. Uh, you know, Marvel yeah. still kind of has to watch their own budget as a publisher um, and hiring someone else and hiring a new team to, to do stuff when Disney is perfectly willing to pay for that themselves elsewhere. But anybody who's I, curious about it, if you want to read it, read the original one, you can just get a Marvel Ultimate subscription. Is it on there? It's on there to read any anytime. All the issues are. Okay, so you can do it digitally, but yep. they can't reprint in actual hard copies. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, we did have a little bit of, uh, last weekend was Emerald City Con, which none of us went to, but uh, they did talk and swear that Secret Wars did, uh, no, because Fantastic Four hasn't ended yet. Avengers, we still got like go, what, a month till Secret Wars? Uh, it says two months on the on the issues of things that I've. But I swear to God, it said three months for like four months. Um, well, that's just scheduling problems. Yeah. No, it Actually, says, Secret Wars already happened. Let's see. No. In uh, the, the latest issue of Avengers came out this week, and that was like uh, right here. And at the top it says, in two months, time runs out. Secret Wars. That's on the cover of Avengers 43. Okay, then that was last week, so I can remember. Anyway... Marvel is swearing that at, at Emerald City they said Secret Wars is not a reboot. This continuity is the longest-running continuity. They're not going to change that. Uh, and they are, they do promise that after Secret Wars is over, there will be a new Fantastic Four book. But at this rate, after Secret Wars is over, it's also going to be after everyone's hopefully forgotten about the Fox movie. Well, that's a right. plan. Yeah, what's Secret Wars? Eight issues? Twelve issues? I think it's, I think it's eight. Okay, so yeah, that's... Uh... A year from now, because let's be honest, there will be a delay. I went and yes. saw I went and saw Kingsman <laughs> this weekend, and oh, I want to see that too. I, we can talk about it, but the did you see it, Derek? No, okay. I don't think we. Now it's kind of old news, but yeah, but uh, ahead, but, but but the you saw the uh, but I, they had the trailer, the big screen trailer for Fantastic Four, and it started off, and I'm kind of going, oh, maybe I'll turn around on this. By the time it, the trailer was over, I was bored. It was just I was like going. There is wasn't so much, it the same one that they had released a month or so ago online? I if it was the fact that it was bigger made it more boring. I don't know. I, it seemed there seemed to be scenes that I hadn't seen before, but they are so forgettable that I'm just I'm just astounded at how bland and boring this thing looks. Just yeah, just and you, yeah, it's all it's all mostly depressing. suggestion of powers and not actual usage yeah, of the powers. Yeah. And and um, you know, long shot of Reed Richards running, walking down uh, a, a gangway, looking with wonder off to the left and right sides, and like, uh, okay, cool, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. They're trying to make the as we talked about when it was released online. It's it's sort of like the interstellar approach. Yeah, and and if you, if they can't actually make it fantastic, they'll make you just wonder. <laughs> No, but like this weekend show, uh, you know, in honor of this, it's it's a wonder con. 
That's all it is. Okay. I wonder, Although, wonder who do We'll have more fun at WonderCon. All right. Uh, so anyway, uh, DC announced at ECC they are scheduling, finally, the what was originally long ago the All-Star Wonder Woman book by Grant Morrison, in which she will return to bondage. Uh, really? <clears throat> or at least that's the rumor, but they've actually rescheduled it as a Wonder Woman Earth One book with art by Yannick Packett, who I, I love his work, uh, and it will be scheduled for November. So along with that, those I put in the notes here, I know what Rick's getting himself for Christmas, an absolute edition of Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Honest to God, Denny O'Neill, I already have Neil it on pre-order. Stuff. You already pre-ordered it? I already have it on pre-order. Yeah, yeah. See, that looks so so good. And it'll, it'll, how, do I, how do I know these things? It'll only be like the third <laughs> time I bought that series. Because I bought a lot of it when they first came out, and those are in boxes somewhere. And I bought I bought reprints. They used to do like reprints of two issues at a time. I think at DC. Yeah, I have I have them that way. And then I think they did do a hardcover before they hit upon the absolutes. Yeah, like sometime in nineteen ninety eight or ninety nine. I think and, I did not buy I did not buy the collected one because I'd already felt like I'd bought it and read it. But but it, it's just it's. That thing is so beautiful. The storylines are, you know, they're they're nineteen sixties, seventies mindset uh, stories. But the it's it's the chocolate and peanut butter of comic books. You know, it's like these two characters should not have anything to do with each other in any way because they're so opposed to each other in almost every way, from their powers to the places they really work in, and but it just works so well. And it's Denny O'Neill at his best, and it's Neil Adams at his absolute top top of the game. And so I want to put this out to listeners. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things. I, I agree with you, Rick. I can remember uh, the only one out of that that I had as a kid was uh, I had the, the first appearance of uh, John Stewart, uh, and yeah. so you know, loved that character. Didn't understand a lot of the politics going on because I think I was like six when I bought it, and. Uh, but as I reread, you know, got in. But it is one of those things that I just wonder if a younger reader comes upon it. And I and I and I, this is not to, to to dismiss it at all. I'm just more intri- I would be intrigued to hear a younger reader's take. Is does it still have the power and the impact? Well, you know, almost 50 years on. Yeah. Uh, uh, to someone who has grown up with the repercussions. In, in the comics industry of the groundbreaking work that they were doing. Right. Like I would, I, I would say that, you know, I, I see, uh, I look at Storanko's work on agents of shield and say that still holds up really well. Um, you know, and, and the storytelling there, but I'm not, I, I, I'm just curious, you know, are the, are the race politics outdated? Are the you know because there is that famous uh, sequence where they where the guy says that like you went to the planet of the blue, led by the blue man and you saved the little green man, but when are you going to save the black man? Right. You know and and so is that still valid? And and the way that they're almost you know artificially at odds in some places. I, I there, it's, there's it's a couple great of, stuff. They touch and, on they touch on ecological issues, and mm-hmm. I think that would still and, resonate. Yeah. And, and population control uh, control issues, and, uh, and there were politics. And drugs. There wasn't Spiro Agnew and Nixon, weren't they villains at one point? Or a character who looked like Spiro Agnew. Yeah. Spiro Agnew. And then, um, and then the whole thing was Speedy and the drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, the... But again, you know, that's the question I, I want to see. You know, if anybody picks that up, is, you know, does it does it seem quaint now? 
but not to us because to us it was like yeah, that was groundbreaking we were there nobody was doing anything like that uh at the time so it'll be interesting so i you know it's funny that i just had that note yeah i I won't even bother saying I could get Rick that no because Rick will already have that. <laughs> no, no. One other one other note about it. It's easy to summarize these stories up in a couple of lines that make them sound pat. But O'Neill was not giving anyone outs in these stories. They do not no. end cleanly. They deal with complex and difficult issues, and they don't come down hard on one side or the other. They're often and, cases where nobody and, wins. And to anyone listening to who is you know maybe doesn't want to shell out for uh, an absolute edition. Although when Neil Adams' art is involved, it, it seems to me a, a certain way to go. But I understand they're pricey. You can probably find collections and paperbacks. It's often known uh, uh, by the name of hard traveling heroes. Yeah. So, so uh, in fact, I think there was even an action figure line for a while of that. So, <coughs> ooh, excuse me. Oh, and they had the they had the uh, one of the uh, green uh, the blue guys. Um, well, the, the not the guardians. It's it was the Guardian, and later, uh, later retconned to being Ganthet. Okay, so they had him traveling, and they were like in the in a pickup yeah. truck going across America. In a pickup truck, yeah, which was then later referenced in uh, Kevin Smith's run on on uh, Green Arrow. Ah, or Brad Meltzer's. I'm sorry, Arch, uh, the the follow up when they did like the cleanup of, of just, you know what had happened when uh, Oliver Queen died, and how you have to have that kind of superhero cleanup to hide the secrets and so forth so mm. um archer was archer's quest i don't remember i gotta get i, I i've got to go back and read the kevin smith brad Meltzer run on, on green arrow too uh so let's focus on, on new material in that uh today was the day that uh marvel gee just coincidentally had another ultron book come out uh hardcover uh, avengers graphic novel called rage uh sorry avengers rage of ultron so it's not it's not an Age of Ultron adaptation, but it's it's Ultron raging. And uh, so, Rick, you had a report from Hijinx Comics. Yeah, the, they got shorted their entire run of this book and uh, Black Science, and the but they weren't that worried about this book. They they felt like it was going to show up. Black Science, they were afraid that possibly because it's it's such a smaller run and in order, they were mm-hmm. worried for that, but. Um, according to uh, to Neil, there was uh, chatter online from a number of stores that had no copies of this given to their their specific store of of Rage of Ultron. Of Rage yeah, of so Ultron. it was shorted, and, and and that is becoming a problem. And I don't know. I, we can say, and before the podcast began, we were kind of tossing this around a little bit and saying, well, you know, it, it, it's likely to be Diamond. Uh, which, as a monopoly, has no particular incentive uh, to get better, uh, and they had they have reduced a lot of their distribution centers. You know, cut down on the number of distribution centers they have. They and they do seem to have a problem fulfilling orders uh, from time to time. Uh, but when a book like this is coming, I mean, we are less. We are about a month away right now from the opening of. Age of Ultron. Uh, it's it's something that comic book shops want to have in their, uh, you know, in their stock. And if you can't get your hands on the copies, you know, that's bad for business. That's that's uh, bad for the brick and mortar stores. Whether it be Diamond or, as I've also heard in the case of like last week with Star Wars number one and Darth Vader and and the, the, all the Star Wars books, really, is that that, that uh, the publishers haven't really been upping their printings, even when they know that there's going to be a huge response. 
But with Rage of Ultron, one store chain we know did get them was Barnes and Noble, and they got them yesterday because they can have books on Tuesdays. They can have their books on Tuesdays. I didn't know that. Barnes and Noble, yeah, because they don't go through Diamond. They're oh. on a they're on a book distribution schedule. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. Because so, they won't take I mean, a pull list. You know, I, it just doesn't ever really occur to me to go to Barnes and Noble for my comics, and I don't, and I don't intend to uh, make that my habit. But uh, it, it's just kind of, yeah, yeah. Once you, once you, it's funny because I remember when I was a kid, I would go to three different comic shops on when I would go downtown. There were three within a block of each other. Yeah, and I would purposely go to the first one. I'd buy a com- couple of comics there. I'd go to another one. I'd buy a couple of comics there, even though those had been to the previous one because I was just wanting to hang out in the different shops and buy something so they'd recognize me as a customer. Um but I instead I, of instead of a loitering freeloader, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was hiding that part. Um but it, it's it's, it's uh it's not the way you do it anymore because there's so many books and you can't you I mean if you're a collector you don't want to miss any issues so you want to Well, and the difference is also, you know, in those days uh Having a, a regular store in which you got your discount didn't, didn't matter. happen. It didn't Books happen. were a dime to fifteen cents to yeah. twenty to twenty five cents. You know, it really was the the proverbial pocket money. And now you want to you want to frequent a specific store because you want to be known as a regular, so you get your you so you get a discount. So it's a, it's not quite as painful to shop each week. Yep. So word. Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean. I try. You know, I think we're all this way too. You go to a new, uh, you visit a town, and you find out they have a comic book store. You, uh, you go check it out. But uh, I you actually still have, have the one I, you shop at at home. I actually have a superstition about that. If I go to a shop that I've never been to before, I have to buy something. That's a nice superstition to have. I will. I will just have to have to buy something just to. So, you know, listeners, Good we will karma. gladly accept invitations. <laughs> yeah, fly me to your state. I'll go to your comic book shop and I'll buy something. I will gladly drop $5 if you pay a $300 <laughs> airfare to come to your town. Yeah. Um, no, but actually, you know, I should throw that out there, too. If you, Especially if you're in northern or southern California where, where we all sort of move uh, freely about the state, you know, um, if there's a store you think is really great that we've never talked about or never been to, write in and let us know, uh, and and we'll check it out. Yeah. Because to me, it's the the rising tide, uh, you know, floats all boats. You know, it's uh, it, I want to see any store succeed, really. Uh, and we we were spoiled for a long time, as you said. Downtown San Jose was th- were three shops that was in the seventies, and uh, but even so, I can remember into the, well into the nineties, we were the area with the most uh, comic oh, yeah. stores per capita. Yeah, um, and uh, that's gone down a little bit, but but there's still a lot of stores I like to, to walk around. I like having choices, you know. Well, if one sold out or if one doesn't have a trade paperback I'm looking for. Maybe the other one does, and then I get to see what other stores are doing. You know, so mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. the fact that you you tell people that we're able to freely move about the state. We're under, under no restrictions of staying home. Uh, <laughs> we have those 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 uh, things on our ankles. They are they are purely decorative. I th- I thought they were. <laughs> I, and that ear tag you weigh too. I mean, you know. <laughs> Well, that's because they're, they're tracking. They yeah. want to see what my, pattern, my migratory, migratory patterns are. Yeah. Uh, so uh, neither Nate nor myself got to the store this week. So uh, 
we get to play what's in Rick's bag. I, I've got which, so, you're both which is not the these. first time that game has been played, but the first time on the air. You, so, let's, let's introduce it before Rick starts. Okay. All right, yes. What's in Rick's bag? What's in Rick's bag? Wow, I feel so important now. Um, the first one I have is a first issue, and it's from Marvel, and it's the uh, the latest in their uh, in their Star Wars run. It's Khan, the Last Padawan, which is okay. The, I know that's on my pull list, waiting for me back at Lucid. Good. It's the prequel to the lead character in Rebels, and telling the story of when he was a Padawan before um, Order sixty six went out. And uh, just just flipping through this, it's again a beautiful, beautiful book. This I, I this is uh, done by Weissman, Laraz, and Carell. Greg Weissman, who is the creator of Gargoyles, and uh, Pepe does and did Young Justice as uh, big in animation. So I think he's working on Rebels as well. So i love that a guy who is creating a very beloved animated series is going ahead and getting to tell the stories of the characters he created in comics as well yeah this i mean the art in this is uh this is uh as kind of reminiscent of a cross between the guy who's been doing uh, miles morales and um oh, who is a woman Oh, is it a woman now? A woman. Okay. A woman had been doing uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Okay, yeah. and then, uh, Sarah Pacelli or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm blanking on the guy who originally did um, uh, Ultimates. Um, Brian Hitch. Brian Hitch. Hitch. Yeah. So it looks a lot uh, the best of of both, I think. Um, yeah. This is this is just looking like it's. Uh, when I when I saw this advertised, I'm going, oh, it's a tie into the uh, to the cartoon show and I, I i liked the cartoon show i wasn't as blown away by it as as uh, other other people were i but i watched it and uh, that's more than i did for uh, clone wars um so yeah which i want to go back and give that more of a chance too i heard it that got really i heard good. it got really good just, especially towards the end so just yeah. about the time the bounty hunters come in but uh you know and, and the thing is with this again it's it's that greg weissman is the guy who's doing the show is doing this book so it you, you know it really is in canon it's like the only buffy comics i was ever interested in reading were the ones that joss whedon was truly you know season eight nine and ten you know uh because those are continuity so this will count so that's great next one up, ne- next one up is uh just a just a passing note because this is probably one of the cooler covers i've seen in a while so Ever since Wolverine died, he's only had four books uh, coming out every every month because Wolverine's he's re- he's he's really dead. slowed he down. Wolverine's yes. is a weekly book. Um, it says published monthly, but I swear to God, it comes every week. Um, That's Marvel's plan. They're trapped. Uh, it's issue thirteen. Um, it's it's just an insane. You've got Deadpool on the cover. It's Deadpool in in a Wolverine pose. He's I'm got and he's got he's got um, garden implements strapped to his wrists to make the claws, and the craziest part is he's got a bird lashed to his head to do the Wolverine hairline. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a blow dryer hanging. Hang, he's got a corded of blow dryer hanging around his neck. It's just this is just insanely funny. So, because at a glance you go Wolverine, and then you go, wait a minute, there's something desperately wrong with that Wolverine. 
So, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to that. Um, you're looking at it online, Nate. I am. That's yeah. pretty funny. It's it's hilarious. And then uh, because there aren't enough books based on the Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy yet, um, we have a one shot this week called Best Story Ever. Which uh, at least it it looks like a another Thanos related uh, Guardian story. Uh, it it's uh it's 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 good stuff. I mean the art looks good and you've got all the characters in it. Actually, I'm not liking the way Star Lord is drawn. He's drawn looking a little anime in his face, but yeah. But another Guardians of the Galaxy book for your I get everything Guardians of the Galaxy notation on your pull list. Which, yeah, which unfortunately, un- I do have that notation. Un- unfortunately, uh, <laughs> I think I think a lot of people do, and I think Marvel's kind of they're going to come out with thirty books of Guardians of the Galaxy one in one week just to break us all, taking advantage of people. Oh, I but, feel so so used. Uh, anyway, we got a we got a zero issue this week of the Uncanny Inhumans, featuring a uh, featuring a. Black Bolt, who again looks more like Wolverine in this uh, this pose. He's coming in through a, a craggy set of rocks, and he's got arrows coming out of his back. Um, but this is a huge book uh, for four ninety nine for a double is zero. It, is it including like a reprint of their first appearance or anything in the back? I'm not seeing a reprint. I'm seeing a separate story by another artist who just it just looks like another tale of an Inhuman in the back, uh, and it looks like. Is it if it turns out to be Jack Kirby, then I'm going to be mad at you. I'm, but anyway, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to see who the artist is here. It's uh, it's not. Maybe it's on the front page. Yeah. It's... Now I don't I, I don't know for for listeners if if this is one of those books that I suspect that people are going to be really into because of the obvious tie in to Agents of Shield. I think uh, you know a, a lot of. Uh, casual fans are, are going to come in looking for something, but but if you don't want to spend the four ninety nine, some of that story I believe will be reprinted for free comic book day. If you want to just sample it and see, but I don't know if people can afford to wait a month. You yeah. know, with the way some of these books get snapped up, so, I, I think this is meant to bring the Inhuman book around into something that's tying them back into the Inhumans and some more standard right. characters, which they had already been doing in that other book. So I think the Inhumans is a better title than Inhuman. Right, but what I'm saying is at Free Comic Book Day there is an Inhumans zero giveaway book. Okay. So and I think it's it's, it's probably the not same the full one. one. It's probably like half the story. Yeah. Uh you know, because that's what they've done traditionally, like twelve pages will be reprinted for Free Comic Book Day. Right. You know, so we as should well also, as the, uh, a preview of the all new uh all different Avengers. Will have a will have a book, which I think is going to be more family friendly right. than Inhumans, maybe. So, so we should also mention there's a Howard the Duck variant on the. Inhumans? There's a Howard the Duck variant of everything. Yeah, oh, I haven't seen that. It's the it's the WTD month. We talked about it. Oh, is that what's the, the duck? Yep, what the duck? Okay. Um. Another number one issue this week. No, you don't get to go to nine books just because we... <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's everything I read this week. No, this is uh, this is a small part. You're going to like this. Uh, actually, you like the next two after this one. Uh, <laughs> Avengers Millennium. Is, I'm hanging up. 
Okay. Avengers yeah, yeah. Millennium uh, is uh, is a new title this week. That's I'm just going to get, and it's all the it's the standard Avengers with the Hulk and Spider Man on the cover, and we've got Wanda and Pietro. So it's looking like they're setting up the uh, the movie cast. It is the movie cast with the of addition, course with the addition of Spider Man, who of course is going to be in the movie somewhere. In the movie, yeah, yeah. Oh golly, what? I. I, I I still don't know if it'll be Age of Ultron. I would love it if he shows up in Age of Ultron. Yeah, I, I, which th- which then allows us to transition to film. And I don't no, really you want, have any Age of you Ultron. Want, news. You want this next one? You want this next one? No, I don't. I said, uh, eh, go ahead. Convergence Zero came out this week, so we're we're now. But have the, you read it? Uh, I flipped through it. It's mostly Superman. Um. Have I read it? Am I going to read all the convergence? I don't think so. The only thing that's important about no, it is, had is that conversation. Convergence yeah. is is has officially started with Convergence Zero. So, for better or for worse, we're into the uh, the big DC move. <laughs> so, in time for convention season, that's pretty clever. Well, uh, good news is that it's written by Dan Jurgens. Yes. And Jeff King. I don't know who Jeff King is. Art by our friend Ethan Van Skyver. Yeah. Uh, but Dan Jurgens is a good writer, so I might just and, have to give and, this a chance. And I, and I think that this the Superman they're dealing with in Convergence Zero is the one that Dan Jurgens had a major hand in shaping after John Byrne left. Because we know that the Zero Hour, it's the Superman who's, isn't it the Superman who's married to Lois? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was in the Jurgens era, and those were good books. I enjoyed the heck out of what, you know, though DC very quickly dismantled everything Dan Jurgens did once he moved to Marvel, um, and now he's back at DC. Um, you know, I, I will I will say that I don't think I was ever disappointed by by a run that Dan Jurgens did. The so, the important one of the more important things about this book though is the latter probably a quarter of the book is uh who's who in convergence and it has a cover gallery of four covers per page oh good just going through what's the what's the price of this book this book five dollars is 4.99 okay that's reasonable it's a it's a heavy stock uh coated cover and uh the inside's really good it's 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 thick enough it's it's not a rip off at 4.99 um but it it's it's amazing when you you go through all the um they've got Tangent Universe Adam, uh, just mm-hmm. um, Jonah Hex in the future, the DC one. The, uh, I'm sorry, let's suggest that uh, he in the future he's known as Hex. Hex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a Crisis on Infinite Earth cover, uh, the Shazam number one, uh, 20 cent uh, Shazam, Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew. I'm just, I'm just going mm-hmm. the ones that are are hitting my eye. A lot of Batman stuff in here. And and you should look at this cover because you know, and wildcats because all these were at were at you know they were in the diamond previous catalog but you know with diamond who knows if you can actually ever get your hands on these books but uh, you can at least look at the covers here so that's good yeah commandy uh, time masters warlord wildcats okay yeah buy the book for yourself and look people so we can talk about movies and. Uh, that is that there. Uh, that uh, I'm sure you guys all saw the the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool reveal. Yeah, I have not actually seen the video yet. 
Ah, the video is great. Hey, the video is causing a little bit of controversy in the way that only nerds would have the controversy, which is, you know, one of the things is if you're going to make a Deadpool movie, Nate, what would you like it to be rated? Uh, R. Right. And so this trailer will not answer, uh, this, this, this video will not answer 100% uh, that... Uh, it was going to that Fox wanted to shoot for an R rating. Last week, when we saw the still that, that Ryan Reynolds tweeted out of himself as Deadpool in the full costume, which looks like the right costume, right? Yeah. Uh, on a bearskin rug, I, I, I think okay, they, they're approaching that well. I thought the the video they did today was or released today rather was very funny with Mario uh, Lopez interviewing Ryan Reynolds and. Ryan Reynolds coming out and saying, look, even if it was PG-13, that doesn't really make it a family-friendly film, which now is leading people to be afraid that it's going to be PG-13 and not R, but that he would like it to be R. And the truth of the matter is, until the movie is shot and put before the board, you you really don't know what the rating is going to be. But you can adjust it down to appease the board to get a lower rating. You can do that. You can. But I, they will give but you I think notes. It's, it's a statement that you know Ryan Reynolds would like it to be R. And I think an R-rated superhero movie, we're at a point now that it would do well. Yeah, my, only fear, my only fear with Deadpool is that because Marvel has marketed him so well, and I will say, you know, he's funny. I, I, it's not a problem there, but there's so much ancillary product with Deadpool that Fox may not want to to risk that, you know, that, that you can say it's not a family-friendly film, but a lot of kids, I think there's a there's still a sizable part of this country where we you call can those tell them parents. this is not family-friendly, and they and go, they don't it's care. a superhero, it's a superhero, and then they come out being absolutely horrified at what they saw. Right. Those people are called stupid. <laughs> uh, well. Well, they're called bad parents. <laughs> They go hand in hand. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. So, uh, you know, you send your cards and letters directly to Rick at, uh, yeah, okay, and uh-huh. Nate. Uh, I, I wash my hands. No, I, I, I agree. I think it's one of those things. It's like, look, the information is out there. Uh, I would like this to be an R-rated film. The star would like it to be an R-rated film. And everything that they have released so far, which has all been, you know, proof of concept stuff, has been so in line with what Deadpool would do. You know, uh, and 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 who Deadpool is a character that uh, I put the picture up on Fanboy Planet and said this is like Deadpool has the potential to be to superhero movies what the Flash is to superhero television shows, which is oh somebody got it absolutely right. You know, um, so uh, as much as we are going to hate Fox's take on Fantastic Four and we blow hot and cold on their take on X Men. Deadpool seems to be not making a single misstep so far, but it's very, very early. Yeah, still Let us early. not underestimate Fox's ability to completely ruin a franchise before they've gotten it out of the gate. So That's their superpower. Well, let's not forget that Deadpool is, which was mentioned in that video, uh, that this is his second appearance as Deadpool. And he's like, uh, yeah, he was in Origins, um, yep. but he's not like that. <laughs> it's like, which I've heard that's part of the script is that Deadpool is very upset at the way he is portrayed in X Men Origins. Oh, that's awesome! Did so now X Men Origins very self aware. When X Men Origins was in the theater, it had two different stingers on it, depending on what you saw, right? Yes, yes, it did. And has the did anyone? I'm assuming they've both combined been combined when you get the DVD or the Blu-ray. That would require my actually um, watching it. Well, that's again. why I haven't bought it. No. 
<laughs> no, I, I bought that uh, Fox released the uh, collector's edition of all of them in the Wolverine's glove with the talons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the claws. So uh, I have that. So I do have X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, I have not watched it. I have seen both endings, though, because uh, they were both released online. Okay. Uh, so, you know, one was uh, that he went to Japan, uh, and he, he couldn't remember. He was drinking to forget what he could not remember uh, in, in a bar in Japan. Does this Wolverine have large talons? Yes. I know. Claws. <laughs> uh, and uh, And then the other one was that Deadpool... Deadpool's body picked up his severed head, right, and then and then put his fingers up to his finger up to the severed head's lips and said Shh, to the audience, "That's the one I saw." Yeah, yeah. That's so unfortunately, the too. one I saw in the theaters was the Japan one, and I really wanted to see the Deadpool ending, but I didn't like the way Deadpool looked in that either. You know, they Awful. just no. was, terrible, yeah. terrible to go along with the film being terrible. Yeah. Yes. Thematic. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, but it does remind me that because Nate wasn't uh, able to join us in the podcast last week, we did not get to mention that uh, Fox did give us a full look at the thing in a South American poster, which got tweeted out. So, uh, Nate, did you get to see what the thing looks like for Fantastic Four? I did see that tweet, and looks like a man made of stone. Well, all right, then. That's okay. <laughs> Yeah, thing looked fine. The movie's just going to be terrible. <laughs> Good for you. You got the thing right. Too bad the rest of the movie is awful. We shall see. Yeah. We, we shall, shall see. see. All right. We shall uh, see a terrible film. Speaking of terrible movies that now have made me uh, ambivalent about uh, is because I was certainly not clamoring for or interested in seeing the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles remake, <laughs> but they are doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Starring? And starring Stephen Amell as Casey Jones. So Green Arrow is going to the movies uh, as uh, as Casey Jones. And I think that's an interesting casting, and it's like, and that, and casting someone interesting when they had failed to do so for the first film is the only thing that could make me possibly want to see them. Yeah. And now I'm irritated that they did that. Because <laughs> I was perfectly happy not having uh, gotten sucked into <laughs> How the, dare uh, you entice me to watch your movie? <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're doing what? You're you're putting good act. It's still going to be produced by Michael Bay, so it's not going to be good. But, um, you know, it's, it's like eating a, a ding-dong. Sure, you walk through the grocery store and you get enticed and you go, that can't be as bad as I remember them. <laughs> and then they are, you know. I don't even know if people if they hosts makes ding dongs anymore. Of course uh, they do. Ho hos. Yeah, they're the same two. thing. It's just a different. It's like Taco Bell. It's the it's same a shape, stuff, just it's a, a different shape. shape. Yeah. Yeah. They're way different. <laughs> <laughs> one is cylindrical, yeah. and one it's shaped is like a, a hockey puck. Yes, and they both taste uh, like wax. That's exactly right. That's the feeling I have. Yes, yes. Ding dong wax is different than ho ho wax. <laughs> and you've named the podcast. I was just thinking that. That is uh, the hits we'll get from that. So um, I'm going to risk a pronunciation here because there was some Suicide Squad casting news involving characters I didn't know were in. It's pronounced words. Leto. Jared Leto. That's not the one I was going for. Oh. 
No, I was going for Adewale Akinoye Agbaje. Oh yeah. Who was one of the Oh yeah, that uh, guy. Yeah. He 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 was Malekith's right-hand man in Thor the Dark World. Uh he was on Lost and before that he was on Oz at BC on Oz. Uh for some I'd seen him. Great actor. Has been cast as Killer Croc in Suicide Squad. And I did not know that they had uh, Killer Croc was planned for this film, as well as I saw a listing for El Diablo. I assume that's the one that uh, is the uh, the modern day motorcyclist one. Uh, that's kind of like the the new um, Ghost Rider for for Marvel. Um, so just kind of interesting there. And that the rumor is that Scott Eastwood, the son of Clint, was cast in a cameo role as Steve Trevor to help set up. Wonder Woman. So no, you know whether or not we agree with their approach. Uh, the Warner Brothers DC films are trying to create a very tightly wound and tightly bound DC universe on film, Suicide's, even though it's not fun. Suicide Squad's one of those titles where I think that they could they could do a a bunch in that series and and always be fresh because always be rotating new guys in and out. And if I was if I was doing that, I'd litter the background of the. Um, where's, where's, oh, I think that's what they're planning with on addition, doing with characters that are actually essential to the plot and the whatever's going down. Well, you know, because I was thinking, I was reflecting on this from Shield a couple of weeks ago, where they went so deep as to cast someone and use and use someone as Angar the Screamer. Yeah. Uh, on the TV, and, you know, that's a Suicide Squad. You're absolutely right. Is a concept that you could run through so many third tier villains, and and they could be cannon fodder because how many ch- shots are they going to get at the, at, on the big screen? Right. You know, and and it does have to be set in a Bell Reeve, some, that's some kind of larger continuity because you can't. There's so many of these characters that can't exist, or we don't want to exist without knowing who their arch enemies are. You know, so you if you get you can't have a movie with the Joker without knowing at least that somewhere in the background, uh, you know, Batman is lurking, and just it reminds me of this approach. Do you remember years ago when they somebody sold a script to a Supermax where Green Arrow was going to be locked up? Yes, in a, yes, I remember that. In a, in a prison, you know, it was a great idea. So that's what Suicide Squad has the potential to be—a chance to just go through everything. Which, you know, to some small extent at this point, that's what the Flash TV series is doing. You know, it, it, is there are throwaway characters showing up, and there's all, you know, and, and the CW is built is doing, I think, uh, so much better job of a television shared universe than uh, than they did the time before with Smallville even though they had a lot of DC heroes moving in and out of Smallville. No doubt, but it's going so much faster, so faster and so many more and so and I, and, better. And I think that's one of the strengths, and that would, was one of the mistakes of Smallville. Yeah. You know, like you went three years in, they shot a pilot for Mercy Reef for Aquaman, and then mm, it didn't get picked up. So, And it's actually a really good pilot. If you've ever seen, uh, never seen Mercy Reef, I recommend you, you look it up. I think it's on, I think you can find it on YouTube. I thought it was on uh, one, of the, I, one I of the on one discs, of the, too. I know it's on the Smallville collection. Yeah. Uh, so, um, it, you know, but it was ahead of its time. Like, we are where we are right now because we've, you know. Well, it was called Mercy have, Reef, too. You know, yeah, I said, yeah, yeah. because it was small, but Smallville Smallville means something to super Superman fans. Mercy Reef means nothing to Aquaman fans, both of them. 
Well, wow. no, it's been retconned in. You shut your filthy pie hole. <laughs> I almost got that one by you. No. <laughs> I know enough to know that they've retconned Mercy Reef into Aquaman's origin as his hometown now. Uh, yeah, okay. But not because at the, I think Jeff Johns created that pilot. So, it, and it's mentioned in Throne of Atlantis. He's uh, discovered in Mercy Reef. So, anyway, uh, another thing getting a reboot: Alien Nation. The writers that worked on Iron Man and that aforementioned uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and the upcoming Highlander remake, a film that absolutely did not need a remake. Uh, now are rewriting the the sort of the prequel of how the aliens and alien nation came to earth that okay. sounds necessary didn't they do that wasn't that shot in like south africa or something i get the joke you're trying to make there yeah. but no that was you know uh, i'm not i'm, I'm not going to bite anymore i'm still you're still at mercy reef there you go uh, but uh chappy that was it but uh, I really liked, uh, you know, the TV series that Fox did with Alien Nation and the, and the TV movies. I just don't know that uh, if you're going to go back and tell the stories of how those aliens crash landed. It's I unnecessary. The thing about our cultural is our culture is so addicted to backstory. But the, it's, it's getting sad. The thing about alienation that makes it work is that you come into the story after the aliens have been integrated into the society, and that's what Absolutely. makes the story work. It's not about when they weren't integrated and when they're, when they're just been land. Do another movie. Don't try and tie it in. Make a make aliens land on Earth and are not trying to conquer us another movie, but you don't have to tie it into oh, a perfectly I, and, good. And I think that the message behind alienation, especially that was explored more in the, effectively in the TV show, uh, of the fact that yeah, even though they're assimilated, they're not. That they're, right. we're still discovering all these differences, and at least in the series. Now they did some follow-up TV movies, and I don't remember the, that they picked up picked this up, but because uh, they were they were more interested in plots about humans and these aliens inter- interacting. Was in the in the in the TV series there were hints. You know, I mean, they were a slave race, right? And it was a lost slave ship, and everyone was afraid of of whoever had enslaved them finding them. Uh, you know, so there are interesting stories there, but I don't, you know, you don't need to see that. And it was uh, it was done as a police procedural again. Yeah, 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 absolutely. In fact, uh, Gary Graham is going to be at uh, Big Wow again this year, the star of the Alien Nation TV series. So he'll be at Big Wow in San Jose, Big Wow Comic Fest, in about three weeks. So uh, maybe this is a perfect time to try to uh, get an interview with uh, Gary Graham and talk to him about it. And because he was also on uh, Enterprise, wasn't he? Uh, Vulcan on Enterprise. Uh yeah. Was um, I can't remember. He the name was of... to to Pox. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the the female Vulcan. What was her name? Um, to Pal. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It'll come. Um, Anyway, we, we could look that up uh, up later. But uh, anyway, it's a good, you know that's one. I, if people can find the Alienation television series, I did not like the movie all that much when I saw it. James Caan and uh, Mandy Patinkin, but uh, I really thought that the guys in the you know the, the TV series just totally made up for it. some. Because some there you go. Sometimes a television adaptation of a movie can work really well. So there, I may have talked myself into thinking the the reboot is okay, except that it is a prequel, and I'm not. I, I just am not a fan of doing backstory because then you're left with no backstory because it's all been told. Um, I, I like just those hints. Which brings me to the Spectre teaser trailer, which I know you loved. I did. 
I did, and um, I actually was downtown last night, and I uh, was talking to our friend Sal Pizarro. Yeah, we and, wanted to get Sal on, but it was a bad week for me. And we to do talked that, about so. it. He wasn't as impressed as I was, but uh, I'm with Sal. Yeah, I, I I think what what got me was it was it was a more subtle teaser than I've ever seen before, and the, for a long time before Bond, uh, when it was kind of like in the. I think it was like in the middle of the Roger Moore series, a guy named John Pearson wrote a book about Bond's family history. And it, it kind of rang that, that bell for me in the background where um, he's showing uh, in the trailer, they're showing a picture of that's partially burned of the mm-hmm. Bond family on a skiing weekend or something. But see, that's my problem. Uh, it's it's back to this idea of backstory. One of the things about Bond is he was an enigmatic spy. And I watched that teaser trailer, and I thought, I, if I did not know that was James Bond, it could have been any character. Yeah. Sounds like and, he did a great job. And that's, and, and that's you know, that, that I know a Spectre, I'm looking forward to something bigger um you know and i know it's a teaser and there may be a trailer later but that you don't even play any you know i guess that that's one of the things what i like about uh, about the the series is is that character let us let us stop trying to make james bond let's stop trying to deconstruct james bond and move him because we've already seen that skyfall did a fantastic job of deconstructing james bond and telling his origin and stripping him down even in casino royale and to some extent, Quantum of Solace, you've done that. You've been to this well. Give us what made Bond work in the 60s to try to make it work in 2015 because he is, you know, he's what started it all. But they've only been filming for a couple of months, right? And this is what they've got so far and whatever they're going to tie it together. It, could, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that kind of a story. It could have an element of... You know, I know, but I, I still I don't say wanna, that's, a, I, that's I, an editing. It's like I've said. I'm not going to you know, throw my my go, my. It's kind of an obvious obvious thing to say where you think the plot could go with this, and I'm not going to go there on on that. But I think the plot could potentially go. He there and with, Blofelder brothers, yes. Uh, that the, 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 there's a family tie into Spectre. You know. Blofeld is his father. Yeah, and then he loses his hand. Um, the, well, it's actually done. Right in, back, it was it was done in Austin Powers as well. Yeah. Uh, so, you know that's, I, I, and you can say they've only been filming for a couple of months, but I, I want to argue back. Uh, the, the two two of the most powerful trailers I've seen, and I realize they're they're both Marvel superhero related. Is uh, the you know, Brian Singer had shot for two weeks and put together an incredible trailer for. Uh, the second X-Men X2. Right. Uh, and he showed that at Comic-Con. It's like, yes, I, you know, I'm in, it's, 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 it's compelling. It's fast paced. It's got me, it's there. And, you know, and, uh, James Gunn shot now granted, I know Gunn knew what he was doing as far as that he had to get a trailer together, but he had shot for two days on guardians of the galaxy. And what he brought was, you know, he'd already shot the greatest hits kind of thing. And I'm not saying that filmmaking has to go that way, but there is a reality in marketing that you do have to get people in. Now, there are people that are going to be very intrigued by that trailer, and obviously you are, but I'm, I'm with Sal Pizarro in that what I love about James Bond is uh, let's restore him to mystery. Let's restore him to his status as he's the god, the grandfather of all these fantastic super spies. And 
you know, let him let him be cool again. And maybe Spectre, I, of course I'll see it. And of course I will dig out all my, my Blu-rays and watch through and, and, and rewatch Skyfall before, because I have a feeling they're going to be very care, very closely linked, as I think Skyfall was even referenced in the teaser. So, you know. Oh, there, yeah, it's definitely in the teaser. What? Um, it's definitely in the teaser. The the uh, yeah no I think they, they said something about stuff found at Skyfall. So right, yeah. I know there's going to be there, and they, and they're trying to link these films, these Daniel Craig films, so much more closely together than really even the Sean Connery ones were, other than uh, than the presence of Blofeld in there. Definitely a lot more than the Roger Moore. I think the you know with the exception of Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker, the Roger Moore films you could watch almost in the order because they never reference anything whatsoever. Um, I wanted Nate back for this, but uh, here's a story that I think we're going to watch very closely because it's interesting. Uh, Emerald City Comic Con was not the only convention last weekend. In Charlotte, North Carolina, there was a convention called the Mad Monster Party, right. which was kind of a little more pop cultural. Let's let it hang for anybody listening. And Adam West and Burt Ward, who are having quite a renaissance you know, thanks to the Blu-ray release and the DVD release of the series we call Batman 66, but which was originally just called Batman. Uh, uh, they were guests, and they announced at this convention on a panel that they are returning to the roles of Batman and Robin as voices for an animated Batman 66 movie scheduled for release in 2016 to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Batman 66 TV show. And then rumor broke today that, uh, and it's still only rumor that Julie Newmar is on board to voice Catwoman, which I thought would make you happy. But the thing is, this even made it to CNN and I I've tracked every news site I could to find it because everything cites back to Adam West and Burt Ward but Warner Brothers themselves have not publicly commented. Yeah. And so I wonder what this really is. I think it's a great idea. But what they could not confirm was and 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 Warner Brothers like I said has not commented on it at all is is this a direct-to-video? Are they looking for an animated film in theaters? Is this a fan film that they got Adam West, that the, the filmmakers got Adam West and Burt Ward to do the voices for? Now, they claim it's full length. So, at least to that extent, we'll call it a feature-length film. But uh, I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think it's a hoax on their part, but it's interesting that there is no commentary, no public comment that would tell us and help us what is it actually. And Burt Ward even made some hints that, uh, that there might be a second one as well. Hmm. And I, like I said, I would love it. I would love something that is kind of uh, that proverbial family-friendly again, uh, you know, and uh, which actually at WonderCon this weekend, as far as direct-to-video, they are going to premiere we hadn't really talked about that so we're you know we can transition to television here the batman versus robin direct to dvd uh, uh is going to get its world premiere at WonderCon this weekend and uh, but also there's a there's a new like that target justice league t- uh trapped in time video there's a new batman line that is more toy oriented 
which you've probably seen if you've walked through Toys R Us or Target in the toy section. Uh, you've seen action figures with a Batman logo that does not quite match anything they've done before, and his look is a little different, but it is very much... Um, He's got the yellow circle back around, and it's very iconic uh, and easily, as you say, easily marketed. So uh, they are doing a, a line, hopefully a line, of animated Batman movies for kids. And that, too, will get at least a sneak preview this weekend at WonderCon. Hmm. So, uh, like I say, I'm going to watch this Adam West story because uh, I'd love to. I actually cracked open the... Uh, it sounds like I broke it. Um, the Batman box set for for the Blu-ray this weekend, and 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 uh, Luke watched the first two episodes, and uh, so wait a minute, you hadn't opened yours yet? I had not. I have now. I I just found mine in the closet. I hadn't opened it either. Yeah, I did not even realize that the box played the theme song. Oh, it does. No, See, I'd, you didn't either. I had pulled I, it out because I a, decided it was... There's a, we'd done there's a red much. circle on the side that says, press me. Mm. And then the box plays the theme song. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, my 11-year-old fell so in love with this with this show that he he reverently took, took the Batmobile that comes with the box set... And he did not want to take it out of the smaller box. He said, I just want to put it someplace safe. And I said, well, leave it in the box. you know. <laughs> and for my son to be like, everything must be carefully preserved. This show is so good. It's like, it really got to him <laughs> you know, how, how fun it was cool. and, and, and how moral. you know. So we'd actually discovered the night before because MeTV – uh, you know, which is over the airwaves. Like I, I don't even know because my brother had a, had an antenna. We were over at his house watching, uh, but it's a syndicated network on the on on I guess what you'd still consider UHF, and, and it might be picked up on some satellite and cable companies, but it's all shows from the fifties, sixties, and early seventies. And on Saturday, it is. Um, so it's over the airwaves. You can get you know if you have a high uh, high def uh, antenna, you can just pick it up. You know, over the air, and uh, on Saturday nights it's Superhero Saturdays, and it's an hour of Batman, it's Wonder Woman, it's Star Trek. Actually, you know what? I think it's Channel Twenty. Oh, okay. I think Channel Twenty's picked it up. So it's because they would have lost the CW, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and they because they were the, originally the WB. So anyway, yep. it's it's. Uh, it's Eight o'clock, uh, seven o'clock to eight o'clock is Bat an hour of Batman. Eight o'clock to nine o'clock is Wonder Woman. Nine o'clock to ten o'clock is Star Trek, and then ten o'clock is Sven Gulli. So like basically creature features. Oh, okay. And I thought, holy, that's just the the Saturday night I would have dreamed of when I was in junior high. You know. <laughs> like, oh yeah, 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 sure. That's a night of TV. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, <laughs> a big old thing of Coca Cola and bag of potato chips and your best buddies are there. Um, yeah. I had one more thing that I wanted to throw in there movie related. Okay. Uh, but it's a product thing because I just got a new pair of uh, glasses today and they were from a company called Sunlights. And you can see in color now? I can see in color now. Um, they came with three magnetically adhering sets of over lenses. Uh-huh. So the first one is polarized for for on the sun. The second one is a yellow high contrast one, which yeah can be used at driving at night. And also, I've heard there's benefit if you're going to be on the computer for a long time. It reduces eye fatigue. The so-called blue blockers. Yeah, kind of. 
the yeah. third one, 3D glasses. 3D lenses clip onto your regular glasses. I would be very intrigued to hear what happens when you use that in practicality. I, I, I can't wait for the next uh, movie that I want to see in 3D to uh, Because to the, the problem is that there are so many different systems. And I that's what I asked the optometrist, and she said that they've they've kind of settled down to um, to one. So, and it, it does seem that uh, the theaters are doing all, it's, it's the polarized uh, horizontal versus polarized vertical, which is why when you turn your head to the side or you put them together, you can block them by t- twisting or not twisting the lens in front of them. So, mm-hmm. so, well, I know there's real D and I think Disney still has their own allegedly pro- proprietary system. Yeah. Disney 3D, and then IMAX. I thought had its own system. But you know, you go in there, and all the all the previews all work with it, with the same ones you're watching the regular regular uh, show with. I think it may be because it's by theater. I don't know like, by by chain. Um, I think like uh, I think that uh, that like AMC is committed to real D as far as interesting. Uh, you know, I'm not sure because, like, I did just see um, my son and I just went and saw um, Home, and uh, you usually know, see like half the trailers are are not in 3D, and then they tell you to put your 3D glasses yeah. on and 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 watch the the remaining two, so uh, two or three trailers or 30 trailers. You know, I, actually, Home wasn't too bad as far as that. I've been to some movies where I've seen so many trailers that by the time the movie started, I forgot what I paid to see. Uh, you know, it's just like, uh, oh yeah, it's like you, you settle down and the, the movie comes. Out. Oh, that's right, we were here to see. Uh, Hero yeah, 6. oh, that's it. Good. I hope it was something I wanted to see. So uh, that was. So let us uh, let us move to TV, and I'll move one of the things back uh, in order to make sure that uh, that Nate is back to talk about it, uh, which is uh, not the which is, but we will talk about how. Uh, uh, the CW is moving forward with their DC Universe and their Arrow Flash spinoff, which they still will not name the show, but but uh, a fan favorite title, as if this has any weight, is to call it, just go ahead and call it The Brave and the Bold. Uh, but they cast uh, a relatively unknown actress who has been on Law & Order and done some Broadway stuff. Of course, she's been on Law & Order. Of course, she's been on Broadway. Uh, named Ciara Renee as hawk girl so she's kendra saunders is going to hawk girl will be part of this new new series assuming it makes it a series let's say you know it's a pilot order at this point and uh, our own rory uh from doctor who has been ca- uh, arthur darville has been cast as rip hunter which in the pilot script when they put the casting notice out a lot of people thought it was going to be booster gold because they said there was gonna be a time traveler right. but no it's a uh, booster gold son rip hunter uh Add that in with uh, we know Firestorm will be involved. We know the Atom will be involved. We know that uh, Captain Cold and Heat Wave will, are at least in the pilot script. And I don't know if that means they're supposed to be regulars or if they just are putting them in there for that script, uh, for that pilot to kind of boost, have some crossover energy with the Flash and Arrow. Uh, and Canary, uh, which character? Uh, yeah, the, the Canary who has most recently been killed on Arrow, uh, that actress will be will be on this show as well. So everybody calm down. I'm back. Ah, thank heavens. We were just talking about Dr. Who. 
Oh, wonderful. Actually, we were about to just talk about Doctor Who, which is, no, that uh, from Game of Thrones, Maisie Williams, uh, the young girl is becoming an assassin on Game of Thrones, uh, has been cast in a two-part episode or a two-episode arc on Doctor Who for uh, the upcoming season, the first episode of which is called The Girl Who Died. So kind of interesting Game of Thrones crossover. I think it's the first time we've had a crossover from Game of Thrones to, uh, to Doctor Who good for her interesting interesting career arc and uh still not much of a hint of us what the heck's gonna happen on doctor who i think last week rick and i were talking about that like how much longer do we have to wait but we do and uh so there's not much to say about it except that i i will move to the spin-off because nate's back of the walking dead now known as fear, fear the walking, walking dead. dead so tell us about it nate what are your thoughts you and your good buddy Robert Kirkman were having lunch in Hollywood the other day, right? That's absolutely correct. And he told me I can't, I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Um, so I can't really say anything other than uh, what else are they going to call it? I like the title. They're not going to call it Walking Dead L.A. or uh, Pre the Walking Dead or something. Like that. I mean, what's wrong with Fear of the Walking Dead? I've heard a lot of nerd rage about this title. I know. I, I don't understand it. Well, I, 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 I mean, this season on on Walking Dead, I'm not entirely caught up, but Rick did have the line, "We are the Walking Dead." Was that this season or last season? That was this season. It was, are you kidding? I thought it was the first season. No, it's he he said it again. Just uh, it was in one of the more recent episodes. Yeah. Um, so no, I mean, you got to do give it a title that that uh, reminds people that it is the Walking Dead. Uh, that it takes place in Los Angeles, I, I, I'm going to have to give this a sample because I, the, one of the things is now I'm intrigued by what are people, you know, how do people in this city deal with it? Well, the, the I'll bet traffic still sucks. It's in L.A., right? Yes, and so that's what I said. Yes, and, but uh, the idea that all their shooting for The Walking Dead has been in little southeastern towns that have basically been abandoned or have been purchased for right and that's and a that's, cow. What I, that's that's what i find intriguing about setting it in la is what happens in that congestion whenever you've got i guess i can remember in the pilot for the walking dead like rick walking down the, the highway and right. all these cars backed up but that's got to be nothing compared to like oh say a survivor trying to get down the 405 right well the 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 idea of Will they be closing off live portions of Los Angeles to dress them up for zombie and do that? Yes. Or will they find areas that look kind of like L.A. would look in different parts of the country and shoot there? They will film during Comic-Con. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Because, because there's no one in Los Angeles during Comic-Con, so that's when they can really shoot. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they're going to go to Comic-Con. <laughs> Oh, no, I've said that for years, and I wish I had not sat on that idea because, uh, you know, actually that's what the Boom Studios did a book called right. Zombies versus Fanboys. But that's – I had an idea, Con of the Dead. That, that's it. We, you know, because they did advertise Walking of the Dead. Uh, they did launch the uh, promotional stuff for the Walking Dead TV series at Comic-Con, and they hired actors to walk around on that little promenade uh, in zombie makeup, and some were very good at it. Some were just having fun and probably messing with some walk passersby – more than they were allowed to do uh, or told to do. But that's when I realized, it, it, you know, the zombie outbreak could happen in San Diego and no one would notice for at least a week. Yeah. I don't know. You know, that's which true. Is, 
which is kind of the setup of zombies versus fanboys that it's like, you know, it takes mm-hmm. about a month, but, but that, and Robert Kirkman is a thinly veiled caricature in that book as well. Uh, but you know, that's, that, that that's it. But, but during Comic-Con, uh, and I got that from Mark Wade is Mark Wade used to like to skip Comic-Con when he lived in the West coast. Cause, because he could get anywhere he wanted to in Los Angeles easily during Comic-Con weekend. Cause everybody was down in San Diego. So, I believe he described it as it was like the Omega man, but that's a reference that's very outdated now. So I, I'm kind of looking forward to this. Now, did they show any footage, Nate this week? Right. Cause walking dead ended. Mm-hmm. Did, didn't they show some kind of preview of fear of the walking dead? They show a teaser. It doesn't show any actors or anything. It's like a, a radio broadcast saying, Oh, uh, people are coming down with the flu. So get your flu shots. And then it shows like um, blood, like uh, you can see the cells and the blood splitting. And then it shows a skyline of L.A. and the radio broadcast is still going. And it shows blood cells splitting again. And then it says Fear the Walking Dead. Because we're all infected. My, expecta- right. My expectation for this is it will be much earlier in the infestation period. Yeah, I think that's already been announced. Oh, I don't think it? that's, a, that's okay. an expectation. I think that was actually what they said. It's it's almost a prequel. It's like what's happening while Rick is in his coma. Okay. Yeah, and maybe even before he even goes into the coma, it sounds like like from the very beginning of anything happening to the breakout. Now, did they say that they're going to explain what the breakout is? They'll never explain that. Mm-hmm. Kirkman has said he'll never explain that. Okay. And I think he still has enough control over everything. Did you read, by the way, Nate, that great article on... The you one that I shared? That. Yeah, yes. you shared that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> did you read what you shared? The interview with Robert Kirkman. Uh, what magazine was that? You know what? I don't even know. But it was a fantastic about how Kirkman is so driven by fear and the... They talked about the Kirkman man. It really did a great job of, of for people who are interested in Kirkman as a result of watching the television series. It did a, a fantastic portrayal of him as an artist, a fantastic portrayal of what the business is and why he had worked for Marvel. Polygon.com. Polygon, okay, yeah. It was a gaming site. Because they were talking about how the control he has uh, over with Skybound over the video games that have come out related as well. That the Telltale Games Walking Dead seasons are so good. And there's a first-person shooter that AMC licensed and apparently is really bad. Yeah, and that's always the ongoing joke at every convention, every uh, Walking Dead or Skybound panel. Somebody inevitably asks about that game. And he always says, yeah, it sucked, and we didn't have any control over it. Sorry. Yeah. So it's in, it is a, it, Polygon.com. Look that up. Look up the Kirkman interview. It's great. Let's talk about one other revival. Talk about the undead. Uh, Fox reviving the X-Files. Six episodes Six for episodes, next season. Right? Yeah. Yeah. At the same time that NBC is running a series called Aquarius with David Duchovny. So hoping uh, that they don't conflict in any way, shape, or form. Uh, David Duchovny was on Letterman last night, speaking of The Walking Dead, and he uh, confirmed that the cigarette smoking man and Skinner would return. Although I think the cigarette smoking man died at the end of the original series. Um, 
So I have mixed emotions about this because didn't we pass the deadline for the alien invasion according to the series? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, so it was all laid it, out in the hidden track on the uh, on the soundtrack album. For... Yeah, but in the last season, they did ex- they did say it explicitly in in this in the in an episode. That's where they left it. Like Mulder and 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 Scully went into hiding, and we're hoping they could survive when the invasion came in 2012. So now we're in 2015. So I hope that there's an explanation in 2016 for it. Oh, it went ahead. It happened. Is that is that what's wrong now? <laughs> I'm sure that's it's going to be. I thought it was Obama's fault. It's hey, uh, it's a uh, it's it's a soft invasion, and See, they, uh, they started at Mercy Reef. Yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, we know that's that's coming. Looking forward to it, and it's interesting because it was uh, asked, you know, that uh, there's a season ten uh, through comics that has been doing pretty well, and they said that 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 adaptate that season 10 went really well they're about to launch season 11 this is a little more problematic now that they're now that chris carter is back actually making plans for what he will do with the x-files so uh it'll be interesting to see there's repercussions even in the comics industry and the last thing i wanted to talk about tonight was just that uh i think uh against our own better desires we're starting to get really uh you know intrigued by pop vinyl i did break down last week and i did buy the howard the duck pop vinyl target is getting an exclusive for avengers age of ultron of the faded vision so there'll be a tr- uh, trans transparent pop vinyl of paul bettany as as the vision oh, that's interesting uh, through target yeah i really like that so i broke a- down a couple weeks ago too and but my first one i got jack burton Oh, I knew that was to be the one that would break you. I knew it. <laughs> Didn't they but do all the the uh, the, the oh, they were they elemental warriors? The storms. Or, yeah. the storms. They did all, all the three of them yeah. and Lopan and Gracie Law. And Gracie Law, yeah, yeah. I'm so still waiting for a Wang though. There's no Wang and there's no uh, Mao Yin. No, I don't think that. Uh, I don't, I don't. I don't know that Mao Yin will, would be that cool in a pop vinyl. But then I've no. said that about other characters. But they did Gracie Law. Gracie Law is the same yeah. exact character, but white. You, you got to do a girl. I mean, it's it's got to be in there. It Wang though, Wang would be cool. Wang is only yes. cool if he really studied the film. Otherwise, you forget about him because they they focus on Jack Burton so much. And they need egg. They also need egg shen. They need egg shen. They absolutely yeah. do. <laughs> but what they do have coming, which is now I will predict to be the third one that I buy, is uh, they're releasing a Sesame Street line, and it's going to include Super Grover. Wow. And I'm afraid that that'll be one I cannot resist. So <laughs> I I got a Star Lord as a you know as a bonus from a Disney promotion. That was my first. They gave the first one was free, and that's always the problem, isn't it? Then I broke down last week and got Howard the Duck, and now now maybe Super Grover. It's sad. It's sad. Is uh, is Elmo his sidekick? Or? I, I I have to admit I never watched the show enough to catch all. Of well, the no, mythology. because you were like thirty when Sesame Street started working. Sure, I was. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I tell you, I do remember that first one. I was four, but uh, no, Super Grover was always in his own little world. Elmo came along much, much, much later. Okay, I'm not even sure. Not 
not knowing since even my kid, my kids are too old is I don't even know if Super Grover is still used on the series uh, on Sesame Street. I think it's just more like a marketing thing because baby boomers remember him so fondly. So you know, and, but they do have Mr. Snuffleupagus, and I think there is going to be an Elmo Pop vinyl. There's definitely an Ernie and a Bert, uh, and there has to be. So oh, Elmo's too popular not to do a, a vinyl of him. There's got to be a Big Bird too, right? I didn't see a Big Bird, but that doesn't mean it's not there. It's just, yeah. you know, I just I didn't see a picture. Uh, you know, Elmo, to be quite honest, not to dig up an old, old thing, but but after the Kevin Clash controversy, Elmo did get pulled back a little bit. So as far as the licensing thing, so hopefully that's faded enough, and Elmo will show up. And please, that is, it's printing money for the children's television workshop. There's, yeah, I've got pictures of them right here. Okay. Super Grover, yes. Bert, Ernie, Cookie Monster, Oscar uh, the Grouch, Regular Grover, Elmo, The Count, Snuffleupagus, Big Bird. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else that I'd put in there. I uh, I think I might have to get a count, too. I didn't know he was there. Dang it. All right. So anyway. Um, <laughs> ah, ah, ah. No, the Super Grover, that makes two... Two pop vinyls added to the collection. Uh, so, anyway, which ones are you going to buy, people? If you've got commentary on that, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Of course, again, I want to remind you to listen to us and subscribe to us at iTunes or the Stitcher app. Um, and uh, find us at www.fanboyplanet.com. You can, you can purchase things you heard about on this podcast through the Amazon link, helpfully there at the Fanboy Planet website. Uh, that is if you cannot find it at your local store because we do believe in supporting the small businesses and no matter what they might protest, Amazon is admittedly not a small business. But we are. So if you like what you're hearing here, please, you want to support us, please uh, kick in some uh, money on the PayPal app that is also there on Fanboy Planet. I am Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. I'm Nate Costa. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to... Use, Use your, your powers, powers only, only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www. The Great Luke L U K E S K I dot com. The power of brains compels you. Okay, I think we got this down. (laughs) (laughs) Fanboy. That was weird. That was weird. Are you ready, Nate? I'm ready when you are. This is going to sound very familiar. In three. Two, one. Oh, listen up.